0: Good morning, I'm Kitty. May I now invite all to stand for God's Word? The reading for today is Acts chapter 8, verse 26 to 40. Philip and the Ethiopian Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road. That goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, Unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself? Or someone else. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and took him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. And Philip baptized him When they came up out of the water The spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away And the eunuch did not see him again But went on his way rejoicing Philip, however, appeared at Exodus And traveled about Preaching the gospel in all the towns Until he reached Caesarea This is the reading of God's word Please have your seat.
1: Thank you, Kitty. Thank you so much. Precious Heavenly Father, as we come to your word this morning, Lord, you are the God that is at work in our lives. And you are also the God who is pursuing us to have a relationship with us. A relationship that's a love relationship that is real and personal. And Father, as we hear your word this morning, we pray and ask for the anointing of your spirit. Your spirit over our hearts and our minds. Your spirit over your servant as he brings the word. I pray that God you would be glorified and honored and that you would speak very clearly to our hearts as only you can. We pray and ask all this Father in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. This week I was talking with a dear friend of mine from Cambodia. I I said, Sina, tell me what's going on in in Cambodia. And she said, oh boy, let me tell you a story. She said, there's a man by the name of Simnut. And she said, Simnut was the king of all the drunkards. He said, he's 43 years old, a father of eight. He was abusive towards his children. He beat his wife. Is hardly a time when he wasn't drinking. His work that he did, he worked, uh, he worked as an illegal logger. They would go into the forest and they would illegally log the wood. But he said he rarely ate because in order to do that work, he drank a lot to keep his strength up. But he said he was an incredibly, incredibly brutal man. If you saw him smile, she said, there are many of his teeth are gone. And he's proud of that because he was a brawler. The jails never wanted to even see him come back because they said every time he comes, he just destroys the place. His wife had become a Christian at our Sre Noi Church, which is in that northern part of northwestern part of Cambodia. And after she became a Christian, when he would come back home, he would beat her. So she fled. But every day she prayed, God, would you would you work in some nut's heart? Thinking all along, there's no way that this man is ever going to change. In the midst of this time, she got pregnant. They, he came back home, and she got pregnant with their eighth child. And shortly before the time of of the delivery, he decided he was going to come home. And just as he's getting ready to come home for the birth, there was a terrible storm out in the forest. All these men, there were eight men in a tent. And he said, the storm was raging around, the wind was blowing, the tree branches were coming down, trees were coming down. And some nut, he said, said, I prayed, he said, when I prayed, he said, God, the God of my wife, the one who my wife says is powerful, she said, If you're powerful, would you stop the storm? And he said, the storm didn't stop. But he said, finally, when the storm was over, he said, there were trees all around our tent. But he said, our tent was standing. And he said, I knew, I knew that God had done something. He said, so he went home. His wife gave birth to their eighth child. And he still continued to be abusive. He still continued to beat his wife. And so finally, one Sunday, she's getting ready to go to church. And he said, I'm going to come along with you. And she she went ahead of him. And Pastor D, the pastor of our Sreinoi Church, saw him coming up from behind. And he said, what do you want? He said, you're drunk. And he said, I want to receive the Jesus that my wife has in her heart. He's all-powerful. And he says, you're drunk. You won't understand what it is that I'm saying. He said, no. He said, I want to pray to receive the Jesus that's in my wife. Okay. So he prayed for him. And as soon as he prayed to receive Jesus as his Savior, he was instantly sober. And he said he's never had a desire to drink again. Well, when he left, when he left, they gave him one of these. This is an MP3 player that has the Bible on it. Uh, Faith comes by hearing, sends these out, and it was in the Khmer language. And so he took it home. They didn't see him for three weeks. His drinking buddies, they all came around him and they said, you know, they said, hey, there's a festival coming up. You should come to that. And he said, no. He said, I don't drink anymore. And they said, What? He said, he said, no, I don't drink anymore. I have Pra Yesu I have Jesus in my heart now. And he said, I don't, I don't need this anymore. And they said, we don't believe you. And he said, it's true. And he said, so they followed him around and they said, what is it that you're listening to? And he said, the story of Yesu the story of Jesus. And they said, can we hear it also? This is a man who has a second grade education, but he was sharing with these men about Jesus. And Pastor D said, It was three weeks later, he said, six o'clock in the morning. He saw, here he saw some nut sober, but but behind him were four of his drinking buddies, and they were all drunk. And he said, Go back home, he said. Church doesn't start until nine o'clock. And they said, No. They said, We want the God that's inside of some nut. Whatever changed some nut, they said, We want that as well. And Pastor D said, You're drunk. He said, You won't understand. They said, No, we want that Jesus. And when they prayed, the same thing happened to them as what happened to some nut they were instantly delivered of the drink. And Sina asked them, they said, she said to some she said, since you prayed to receive Jesus Christ, what's happened? He's led 24 people to Christ in this time. Nine of them were, were his former drinking buddies who saw the change in his, in his life. Even the jailers, they can't believe what's happened to him. On Sunday mornings, he gets up he has a rattly old moto that he drives. To, and the roads in northwestern Cambodia, especially this time of year, are horrible because they're just dirt roads. And he has this rattly old moto that he takes out. He goes three times. Each time that he goes out, he puts two guys behind him, and they ride their way to church. And all of, every one of these people have been led to Christ. People in that area, people in that area saw what, was, what happened in Nut's life. And they began coming to the church, and they're saying, whatever happened to him? We want that in our life as well. Forty people came to Christ as a result. Pastor D said, I'm so tired. He said, all I'm doing is leading people to Christ all day. I think, what a good problem to have. What a good problem to have. And his wife, excuse me, his mother, the people of the Noi Church had been been trying to speak to her about Christ. She didn't want to have anything to do with it. And finally he came home and he said to her, he said, Mother, look at me. You know what I was. And you can see what I am now. Come, let's go to church. And when they went to the church, she prayed to receive Jesus Christ as well. God was pursuing some to have a relationship with him. A love relationship. A relationship that is real and personal. God is pursuing us. Last week, we talked about the first reality. Now, Now, yesterday they didn't do such a good job. Please, please. What was our first reality that we talked about last week? Ooh. This is comforting. <laughs> okay, what was it? God is at work. He is always at work. This week, the second reality that we'll be looking at is that God pursues us. God pursues us to have a relationship with us, a love relationship with us, a relationship that is real and personal. And this morning we're going to be looking at, we've already read, that God was pursuing this Ethiopian eunuch. But But there, before this ever happens, there is a love relationship, and in the midst of that love relationship, God speaks, as we're going to hear next week, whenever in the midst of relationship, God invites us to join him in what it is that he's already doing. God was already at work in this Ethiopian eunuch's life, and God invited Philip to join him. Now, if we read in, in, um, in Acts chapter one, verse eight. Jesus, shortly before he went into, he into heaven, he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. That's a command. It's not an option. It's a command. And he says, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Chapter 8 is a turning point in the book of Acts. Because chapter 8 marks the change from going from predominantly a Jewish ministry to now moving out toward Judea, toward Samaria. And we're going to see also that today, in reaching this Ethiopian, the Greeks and the Romans of that time believed that the uttermost parts of the earth was Ethiopia. And the, the, and the early church, we read in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, this isn't up on the screen, but it says on verse 1, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church of Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. It said, as well as those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went, and Philip went down to the city, a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. So the early church, they were in Jerusalem, and there was a great persecution. When Stephen, the first martyr, is killed, Paul comes on the, on the scene and he begins to seek to destroy the church. And so the church is scattered. God wanted it to be scattered. Where I grew up in the, in the middle western part of the United States... We had a vine that was called wild cucumber. And it had a thing on there that looked like a cucumber, incredibly bitter, very bitter. I'm not sure that it wasn't poisonous. But in the, in the uh, fall, it would dry up. And especially on sunny days, if the sun was shining on that, you would watch that dried up pod and all of a sudden it would go poo. And it would shoot those seeds out wherever it went. It would disperse the seeds. This is exactly what's going on here. It's the same word that's being used in the Greek. God dispersed the church. God didn't want the church to just be in Jerusalem. God desired for his church to spread out and to take the gospel. And wherever they go, they go to Judea, they go to, they go to Samaria. And what we know about Samaria is this. Jews and Samaritans did not get along. They hated one another. In fact, we have a map of Samaria here. I say, And the map of Samaria, you can see that it's north of, of, of Jerusalem. About 104 kilometers for this... Uh, For those of you who are American, that's about 64 64 miles from there. Jews would go out of their way to go around Samaria. But now we see the gospel changing not only people, but the desires of their hearts, and they reach out and they go into Samaria. Philip has got a thriving ministry. You can read the first part of chapter 8. He's got a thriving ministry. But in the midst of that thriving ministry, God says, He says, Philip, It says, now the angel of the Lord says to him, go go to the south road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. We see that in verse 26. It's in the midst of relationship. It's in the midst of relationship that God's invitation comes. God desires to have a love relationship. And when he speaks to Philip here, how much detail does he give him about what it is that he's asking him to do? What does he tell him to do? He says, Go to the south road. Now that's an interesting. uh, Many commentators, as they look at just that phrase, "go south," that can also mean that can also mean to go at midday, the hottest time of the day. So he's saying to him, "Go to the desert road. Go to the go at midday on the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza." There were two roads. There were two roads that led out of Jerusalem or that led down to Egypt. One was a road that's right along the coast there. That was the one that most people used. The other one is what they called the desert road. That was a very lonely road. And yet God is saying there, he said, Philip, go. Go at midday and go, at, and go on this road. You know, you think about it. What did Philip do at that point? Did he stop and say, hmm, maybe I need to pray about this. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong to pray. You should pray. But because Philip is in a relationship with God, a relationship in where when he knows when God speaks to him, He obeys what it is that God tells him to do. He knew. Did Philip know that this was God that was speaking to him? Without a doubt. Why does he know? Because the next thing he does determines what it is that he believed about God. He did what it was that God called him to do. He left this ministry, and he went where? I wonder if at times he was thinking, Lord, what am I doing out here? Because it's not just a a short walk from Samaria to Jerusalem. Two, possibly three days. And in that whole time, What's he thinking? And you know, in that whole time, you think too, there's an Ethiopian eunuch out there on this desert road whose heart is looking, he's looking towards God. He's, he's curious about what it is that God has. He's out there on the road. He's reading Isaiah's text and, he's, and thinking, I don't understand what it is that I'm reading. Who is God going to send? Isn't God cool in the way that he works things out and He bringing this guy and bringing Philip right to where this Ethiopian eunuch was? You know, when we talk about a relationship with God, one of the signs that we love God, one of the signs that we love God is obedience to him. John chapter 14 verse 21 says, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. say, well, I do. I, 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 I love God. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a couple of questions. I love you, but I'm going to ask a couple of questions. So, if John fourteen twenty one is correct, which it is, one of the signs that we love God is obedience towards him, how are you doing with the things that God is asking you to do right now? I, I don't know what that may be. Maybe God has said to you, you know, you, you've got a really critical heart right now. You're, you're critical about everything. I mean, you see everything is the glass is half empty. Everything, you're, you've got a criticism about everything. I need you to be thankful. Maybe God is saying, you know, you're hanging out with these people and they're dragging you down. I need you to find some better friends. In fact, there's somebody here that I'd like you to meet. Maybe God would be saying, you know, with your business. It's all about your business and your, your family is taking the back burner. Your family is taking second second place. Or maybe God would be saying, you know, the things that I hear coming out of your mouth, they don't, they don't glorify me. And the, the, the list goes on. But the, where it comes down to is, are we being obedient with what it is that God is telling us to do right now? You say, well, I just... I, I have trouble pastor I just have trouble with my you know saying not being critical it's just uh, it's the home that I grew up in I just have trouble you know uh, you know with my business I mean I, I grew up in a home where my dad I mean it was all all about our business you know from sun up to sundown and he said I just I'm, I'm sorry you know but maybe at some point I'm going to have some time for my family but right now it, it's it's about the business pastor I just have trouble I mean I get around these people and they start to gossip, and I just, I, I, you know, I, I just find myself joining in. Um, if you have an obedience problem, it, it, if you have a problem like a, it's not an obedience problem, it, it's a love problem. If you're having trouble doing the things that God is calling you to do, it, it's, it's not an obedience problem, it's a love problem. Because if we truly love God, and now, now folks, I'm, I'm here with you. I'm not standing. Uh, the reason I stand down here is because I'm just the same as you. There are issues and things that have been preparing this sermon that God's been speaking to my heart about, too. I'm not perfect by any means. But there are places where in which we need to work on. And what are we doing with those things that, that right now God would be saying, you know, I need you to work on that? Because here's the thing, too. If you're to stand before God and He were to ask you to say, How do you you see your relationship with me? Can you say with all the honesty of your heart that, that I love you with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, and with all my strength? Can we say that as we stand before God this morning, that I love you with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, and with all my strength? And, you know, as I was preparing this part of the message, there were things that God spoke directly to my heart. And, you know, the, the danger is that, that we look at this and we say one of two things. We say, oh, I, I can't mate up in any one of those, so why bother? Okay, don't, don't go that way. And the other one is, well, I'm okay in, in three of those areas. It's okay if I'm not, okay. it's all right if I'm not okay in this other area. Um, it, it's not. But here's one of the dangers that we think, well, I'll just work on all of them at one time. I really think that God says, you know, think about it. One of the things I longed for when I went back to the States was was steak. Where we we lived in in Montana, the western part, the cowboy part of the United States when we lived there, it was beef country. And when you go out for a steak, you get a steak. A steak. You know, a steak, a big steak. And I was looking forward to it. Never got that while I was back there. I talked to my son. I said, all this meat we gave you and you don't give us a steak. As you know, you look at a steak, especially the ones they have in Montana. They're a good-sized steak. You don't eat that whole steak in one bite. You cut it up. And it's the same with, with this here, I really believe. Where God looks at our heart and he says, Do you love me with all of your mind? I see you putting stuff into your mind that you don't love me. How about with all of your strength? Where is your strength? Where is the bulk of your strength going? Is it towards those things that I'm calling you to? Or is the bulk of your strength going to what it is that you desire? He says, do you love me? And you begin with those areas. You cut the stake up. But you begin someplace. You begin. Don't look at it and say, huh, it's hopeless. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God would be saying, He'd be saying, "Do you love me? Do you love me?" You say, "Well, what's the big deal with this? I mean, it's, isn't it OK that I'm, I'm not OK in a couple of areas of my life? Here's the big deal with this. Every relationship that you have is dependent upon the relationship you have with the Father. If that relationship isn't in, in the right place, every other relationship you have is going to be affected by it. Let me give you a little illustration on that. A number of years ago, well, when I was in high school, I, I, never, I never took typing, keyboarding, class typing. I, I didn't have time for that. So when I got to college, it's like, ooh, I had to write papers. And so I, my trusty wife was there, and so I thought, well, I'll just hand her the papers, and she'll, she'll type my papers for me. My handwriting's terrible, and she'd throw the papers back at me, and she'd get all frustrated. It didn't help her that it was probably the night before, too, that I would give her these papers. But so she would type this out, and finally there came a point. She said, no, you have to go to, to the community college and learn how to type. So here I am, 25, 26 years old, at the community college with all these 17, 18-year-old kids, you know, typing away, and I had to learn how to type. So I got enough learning how to type to say, okay, now I know the keyboard, Now I know I just, and I just left the class. It was just like, whatever, I, I, I know how to type now. And so a few years, many years after that, I was working on a sermon and typing something. I'm looking over here and I'm typing, typing, typing for quite a long time. Then I looked over at the screen. It was like it was just gibberish. It was like ah, all this time I spent typing on this, and it was, I looked down at my hands and they were one, one thing over. It was like ah, what did it matter? It mattered a great deal. And you think in our lives, what does it matter if I'm only off just a little bit over here? It matters a lot. Because if your relationship isn't right with God, every other relationship you have is going to be affected by that. And God pursues you. You may say, well, I'm already a Christian. Great. God isn't done with you. See, God wasn't done with Philip. I really believe that's part of why God says to Philip, could he have gotten somebody from Jerusalem to go down? Absolutely. But he's wanting to do something in Philip. He's wanting to show Philip Something about himself. He's wanting Philip to experience God in a way in which he never would have had Philip not been obedient to God and done what it was that he wanted him to do. And when Philip shows up on this road, I wonder, Okay, Lord, I'm here. I'm here. What, what's going on? And then all of a sudden here comes this guy, this Ethiopian, going by him in the chariot. And he's reading, of all things, the book of Isaiah. When Philip was obedient and did what it was that God called him to do, God showed him. Again, he gave him a little bit clearer picture. This is why you're here. Again, he doesn't tell Philip all the details. He calls Philip to trust him by faith. Now, here's the next guy that we have. God pursues. God pursued this Ethiopian man. Now we've got a map of Ethiopia. Ethiopia, at that time, this was uh, considered the, the kingdom of Cush. It was down in that area. And we have a man here. It's like, he, he's, like last week we talked about Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. This man is very similar. He is a God seeker. He is someone in whose heart God has been at work. And when God, in, God shows Philip what it is that he's doing, he shows Philip what it is that he's already been doing in this Ethiopian's life. He has been at work. We don't know how it is that he would ever have come to the place of hearing about God. Maybe it's, there was a, a large contingent of Jewish people that lived in the area. We don't know. But what we do know is that he had just been to Jerusalem. He had just been to Jerusalem, and, he, and I can imagine, well, I, can, I, I can't imagine. He's a eunuch, okay? Um, we all know what a eunuch is? All right, we don't have to go into that? All right. It's like I wanted to keep this really G-rated, but I don't see any kids in here. David, so it's okay. Well, you, if you don't know, uh, you can look that up later. But he's a eunuch, and as such, he would not have been allowed into the temple. While he was somebody who wanted to worship God, he would have had to worship God from afar. He couldn't go into the temple. Not only that, as he's coming home, it says that he is reading, he is reading from the, the Gospel of Isaiah. You know, we take it for granted. We have a Bible, and yesterday as I was preparing for the Filipino service, I went to my, up on my desk, and I have five or six Bibles. This is my preaching Bible that I, that I bring down and bring, uh, bring into service. When we came here from the States, I left probably seven or eight other Bibles in the States. that are sitting in a box. We have Bibles all over the place. But in this day, they didn't have that. The fact that he's got a scroll, that he has a, the scroll of Isaiah, that would have been extremely expensive. That's all hand-copied. And he's reading this this gospel, or reading the, the book of Isaiah, and he's reading it out loud. That's very common practice for what they've done, what they would do at that time. And God says to Philip, "What? Go and stand next to that. Go and stand next to that um, chariot." And when he does, he hears what he hears him reading, reading, and he's, and he says to him, "Do you understand what it is that you're reading?" Philip does something that's really important. He asks a good question. He asks a probing question. It's so important as we deal with people, as God puts people in our path, that we listen. That we listen to what it is that people are saying. When we were first dating, my wife and I, uh, she, she said to me, um, You know what your favorite subject is? Oh, I jumped right into it. I said, No, what is it? She goes, It's you. It's all you ever talk about. Yeah. How many of us have been in that that, that situation? Yeah, yeah. Where we're with somebody and it's, you don't say much. Okay, can I, can I encourage us? Encourage us as God, as God followers. That when we are in conversation with, it doesn't matter if it's with a non-Christian or with a Christian, that we take the time to listen. And not just take the time to listen, but take the time to ask good questions. When you're leaving church and you're having lunch with somebody, instead of always focusing on the job, maybe say, hey, what would you get out of the message today? I got nothing out of it. I got a good night's sleep out of that message. I don't know. But ask him, what, what did you get out of that message? What did you think about when Pastor Joel said this? Now, this is an invitation to roast Pastor Joel every Sunday morning. But asking those questions or asking somebody, hey, what do you sense somebody comes to you and they're talking about something that's going on in their life, or marriage is in trouble, or they're in trouble in work, or there's something going on financially. Asking just simply the question, so what do you think God might be doing in the midst of this situation? But taking the time to ask good questions, penetrating questions, probing questions. Because what Philip finds out is that God is doing what only God can do i got five things here that, that only God can do. God did in this man's life what only he, only he can do. He is the only one that can draw people to himself. He put within this, this man's heart a desire to follow after God. He's the only one that can do that. Again, remember we talked about, about a while back, how can we know when it is that God is at work in somebody's life? We read in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that seeks after God. So when somebody comes up to you and they're talking about the Bible, they're talking about church, they're talking about prayer, they're talking about where you go to church, your antenna should go up at that point because that's God at work in their lives. Because we know that left to our own devices, we won't seek God. We won't talk about those things. But God was at work in this man's life. And when God introduces Philip to what it is that he's doing, it's he introduces Philip to what it is he's already been doing. God is always at work, and when he invites us, it is to invite us to join him in what he's already been doing. He's been at work in this Ethiopian's life. He's the only one that can draw people to himself. The second one, He is the only one that can cause people to seek him. This Ethiopian left where he was... And came to Jerusalem thinking, okay, it's here that I will find my answers. But he can't go into the temple, and he can't understand God's word. He's reading it, but he can't understand it. The third one. He is the only one that can reveal spiritual truth. And I'm going to stop there. There's two more. You have them on your list. He's the only one that can reveal spiritual truth. As Philip walks up to, up to the, as he comes up to the chariot, he says, do you understand what it is that you're reading? And he says, how can I? How can I understand unless somebody shows me? And he invited Philip to come up into the chariot. We read in Romans chapter 10, verses 12 to 15. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without somebody preaching to them? And how can, they, how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How can they hear? How can they understand? We never know what it is that God is up to. But when God makes his invitation, it's an invitation to join him in what it is that he's already been doing. But that invitation will only come in the midst of a love relationship. It is in the midst of that relationship that God speaks to our hearts. That's why that relationship is so huge. Because there are people who desperately need to hear about Christ. Next month, or in November, we're going to be looking at Jonah. We don't hear God saying it, but there comes a, it's almost as if God would say to Jonah, Jonah, how long, how many more people have to go into a crisis eternity until you'll be obedient and do what it is that I'm asking you to do? God invites us because there are people who desperately need to hear about Christ. As I was walking last night and uh, praying as I walked along the promenade, knowing that i had read a little bit in the, in the newspaper, knowing that there's a, quite a bit of unrest last night, and I said, God, how long? How long till there's peace? And it was just almost in the back of my mind, it's like, well, what if I don't bring peace? What if peace doesn't come in the way that you desire? Then what? can I still have glory brought to my name even in the midst of that? And I think about young people and I think about where our city is at right now. City needs hope. City desperately needs hope. As I was preparing for Advent, I'm way out out in the future. Hope. Hope is God's gift to us. And there are how many people do we know that really need to know the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ? Many. And when God invites you to join him, it's because there are people who desperately need to hear that hope, that truth that only Christ has. When Peter shares with this man, with this Ethiopian eunuch, something happens in his heart. And when he comes to the water, he says he says to Philip, he says, "Here's water." He says, "Shall I be prevented? Uh, I? Pre- can I be? Can anything prevent me from being baptized?" He obviously had had a relationship with Christ, and when he le- and when Philip baptizes him, when he puts him under the water. After he brings him up out of the water, God takes Philip out of the way. And where does Philip end up at? Caesarea. First at Azotus, and then he ends up at Caesarea. Remember last week we talked about Cornelius? How in the world was it that Cornelius became somebody, a God-seeker? I wonder if it wasn't as a result of Philip. I don't know. I could be totally wrong. But I wonder about that. But when that Ethiopian eunuch went back to Ethiopia... He was a changed man. He says he went away rejoicing. God had done something in his life. And when we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, God comes in and does something that only he can do. He totally changes us, doesn't he? He gives us a new life. He says, behold, if if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Behold, all things have become new. When God comes into our life, he changes our life in the only way that he can. And when he left, he was rejoicing. And when he went back to his people... We're told that church history tells us that as he went back, that he was the one who led Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, to to the Lord. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But all I know is that whatever God does in our lives, God calls for us to share that with the people that are around us. God calls us to live and to allow the life of Christ to live through us. See, the relationship that he longs to have with us is not only a love relationship, but it's a relationship that is real and personal. Now let me stop there. Got a couple of minutes here. I'm going along a little better than what I thought. Let me stop and talk about that love relationship for a minute. Because not only did God pursue Philip and pursue this Ethiopian, he's pursuing you. He's pursuing you to have a love relationship with you. But that love relationship, it's two ways, isn't it? Now, um, in America, we have Walmart. Uh, When I was in Malaysia, they have uh, Tesco. I don't know what for the Philippines or New Zealand or Australia uh, or India. I don't know what the, the Walmart is of that. Walmart is this huge conglomerate store. You go in, you can get anything from your, your pharmaceuticals to grocery to, to pants to battery for your car, whatever you need, all in one roof. Not like in Hong Kong where you go here to get your fruit, go here to get your vegetables, go here to get your meat. You know, it's, it's, it's part of Hong Kong. But in America, you go to Walmart, you go in, you get out. You get what you want, and you get out. And sometimes we treat God like that, don't we? We go to God when we have a need. God, this is what I need. And we share with him, da-da-da-da-da, this is what I need. And then we leave. It's like, is this a one-way relationship or is it a two? Let me ask you, and please don't answer this question. Husbands and wives, how do you think your spouse feels if the relationship is just about you. Now please, don't answer that. We don't like it, do we? We don't like it when it's, when it's that way. We want the relationship to not just be about the other person, but to be about us as well. When we marry, we bring both hands together. And in our relationship with God, God calls for that relationship to be not just one way, but two ways. Not just one where I tell God what it is that I want, but that God, in the midst of relationships, speaks into our lives what it is that he wants. And not just what it is that he wants, but how deeply, how madly, how passionately he is in love with you. That's what God longs to speak. And that's what God longs to hear from us as well. So it begs the question at this point, so how is your relationship with God? Where are those areas that God would say, you love me with, with your heart, You love me with your strength, but it is with your mind. I long for you to love me with all of your mind as well. Where would it be that God would say, you have a relationship with me, but it is a one-way relationship? I long to speak truth. I long to speak and tell you how deeply I love you, but you don't give me an opportunity. You don't seek me. You seek me for what it is that I can give you, but I can give you so much more. How is your relationship with him? God is pursuing you. God is pursuing you to have a relationship. And if God, you know, sometimes you think, well, there's, there's no hope for me. I shared the illustration I did at the beginning because I look at some nut, and I may get to see him next year. Uh, we're going to be going into that portion. I, I, it's one of those guys I want to see because that's a life that God pursued that his godly wife, she prayed for him, thinking, there's nothing that's ever going to change him. But when God changes a life, he not only changes that life, but he changes others around. And when God came into your life, he came to have a relationship with you, a relationship that is real, that is personal, a relationship that is a love relationship. Are you pursuing that relationship with him? Are you desiring that relationship with him? Where is it in your life, where is it in your heart today that God would be saying, we need to talk, we need to spend some time together. Whatever that may be, if there are things that need to be put aside today to be able to spend some time with God, do that. Do that because God is longing to work in our hearts and our lives and through our lives as we will hear next week. Because the third reality next week is that God invites us to join him in what it is that he's already doing but that invitation comes only in the midst of a relationship with him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand with me as we close this service this morning? Precious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the truth of the word that you went out of your way. Two weeks in a row, we've seen the way in which you've gone out of your way to bring the truth to a God seeker. To bring the truth literally to the uttermost parts of the earth and then to send somebody back To send somebody back with the truth. And Father, you were as much at work in Philip's life as what you were in this eunuch's life as what you are in our lives. And Lord, you long for that relationship. You see the areas of our heart that are not seen by man. Your word says that you do not look at the outside, but you look at the heart. And God, those areas of our lives that we've identified, that you've identified, are not, are not because you don't love us. It is just the contrary. It's because you love us. And because those things are standing in the way of a relationship. And so, Father, I pray that you would strengthen that relationship, that where there are those things that we need to get right with you, that we would do that. And Lord, there are those things as well that you've called us to do that you're waiting on us to do. You're calling us to be obedient in areas. And whatever that might be, God, I pray that we would say yes to you. Lord, you see where we're at as a city. You see where we are at as a people. It gets hard to see the news, to see what's going on. And yet, God, I know, I know that you are in the midst of this. I don't understand this. But God, I choose to pray and ask you to, to reveal your hand in a very powerful way. There's so many that need your hope. And I pray that God, in the midst of all of this unrest, would you pour out your spirit. And would you bring about revival. So many times we don't need you. We have everything that is we need. But God, would you bring us to the end of ourselves as a, as a city where we realize that we desperately need you heavenly father i pray the blessing of your hand over this precious precious congregation you know their needs you know what's going on in their lives you are the only one that can meet the needs that are deep in their hearts and so i ask in the name of the father in the name of the son and in the name of the holy spirit that lord you would meet us You administer in a very precious and powerful way in the midst of relationships between husband and wife and uh, parents and children, employers and, and workers. Whatever other relationships are here, God, I pray in the name of Jesus for your hand to work in the midst of them. And I pray, God, for the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. I pray all this, Father, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. May the grace and the peace and the pursuing love be yours this week. May your relationship with him grow deep and may it go close. May your relationship with God be known as a two-way relationship with him. In the name of our precious Lord Jesus, I pray this. Amen. Have a great week. Lord bless you.